0: Welcome to our online messages. We are entering into a new sermon series called A Season of Grace. Today, Pastor Scott takes us into Ephesians chapter 1. Good morning, church. It's good to see you today. Glad that you're here. We're going to start a new season. We're calling this A Season of Grace. And so I'm glad that you're here with us as we kick this off. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me today to Ephesians chapter 1. You can grab that Bible sitting in front of you if you want. We're going to be on page 976. Some of you are saying, man, we've been going through Ephesians. I know. It's that good. I just want to stay in it a little longer. We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, page 976, as we start this season of grace. I want to thank you for wearing a name tag as well. Because grace, one thing that we understand is that grace is something we receive from God. And I want to talk about that today. And it's then something we extend to others. And so one way that we can extend grace and kindness is just by simply talking to people and introducing ourselves. And, but the reality is we don't know each other's names. So we need name tags. So we will again for the next few weeks provide those for you. Uh, you can always bring your own. I was looking through my desk drawer, and I was like, okay, I've got some name tags here from when I worked at Albany Christian School. Had a name uh, lanyard thing, I think is what they call these, from a Mike Silva International Festival. Mike Silva is one of our global ministry partners that we support uh, with our offerings. And this next week, Saturday, they are starting a, a new... Uh, Festival in the Dominican Republic. And so we were praying for them this last week in our week of prayer, but I want you to be praying for them as the gospel is shared in the Dominican Republic. Republic, and So anyway, bring your own name tag because it's a conversation starter. People will ask, I didn't know you worked there or belonged to that company or whatever it was. And so bring your own name tag. Bring lots of them and we'll have fun extending grace and kindness and getting to know each other. Some of you that are real artsy, fartsy, you know, you're going to, you know, make it real cute and all that. Do that. That's good. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. But over the month of November and December, we're going to talk about grace. Grace is one of the core values at our church. But really, we're going to find out it is really a core of who God is himself. And so what I want to do with you today, open up God's word, share with you this idea of grace, and really launch for us this next season over the next couple months. We have received grace. The fact that you're alive today means that God did not... Uh, treat you as your sins deserve. All of us are here today because God's been good to us. We, we all deserve much worse. We deserve not even another breath, but God has given it to us. So we receive that gift. We extend it. And one of the ways we extend that is in our community in Mexico where we have a church plant we've been working with for years. And on the west coast of Africa, we have a church and a school that we've started. Uh, we've cared about the lack of clean water in uh, West Africa specifically we've put in 10 water wells and I came to my email this morning and I received an email from Sierra Leone. I've been waiting for this email and sure enough it came this morning and they said uh, yes you we would love for you to put in another clean water well but we also have some other things going on. We have an orphanage that uh, our team got to visit last year. We put in a well there and they said we've got some other needs at our orphanage if you're interested in helping us and, I haven't responded back, but I want to tell them, well, we're only planning to raise $25,000 above our regular offerings that we're, we take in two weeks. And it's like, man, I, I don't know where we're going to get all this extra money. But if our offering is extra good, oh, there is plenty of good things going on in Sierra, Sierra Leone that we could send some money to. So two weeks from today, we're going to take our special offering. That is in a red piece of paper. Go ahead and grab that if you would. Tell you a little bit about where we're going. For some of you that are new to us, you don't know where we're going over the next couple months. We we do this thing called Christmas Compassion. We take this special offering. For those of you who have been with us, you kind of know some things. But anyway, grab this. Show me that you got it real quickly. Just give me one of these. All right. Get some blood flow. Okay, now put it away. Don't look at it anymore today. All right. Save that. Don't lose it in your Bible. Just put it somewhere where you'll find that after the message today. All right, let me talk real briefly about Christmas compassion. This is something we've been doing here at this church for about 20 years where we say let's collect some non-perishable food items with our special offering. We'll make these boxes extra special. We work together as a family and, and then this becomes just one of the fantastic things we do as we get to relate to one another but then we take 120 boxes of food and goodies, and over the last 20 years, we've blessed people in our community with this. Well, we have said we want to make this as mo- the most purposeful that we can. We want to make this meaningful in every way that we can. So, as you heard Dylan say on the announcements, and I want to say it again, we are asking 90 of you. 90 of you to come up with a name of somebody in your neighborhood, somebody at your workplace, somebody at your school, a family member, 90 of you to come up with one name that you would like to deliver a box to. Now, the church will help put the box together. Some people will decorate it, and we'll fill it with food, and we'll have fun doing that. But we need 90 of you to sign up who you will deliver that box to. The idea is that you won't just deliver it to a stranger but that you will deliver it to somebody and that you will get to have a conversation with. We want to help develop a mission's heart in every single one of us, that there are people in your neighborhood, your people at your work, in your school, in your family that need to see the love of God. And more than just a box of food, but that's our way of getting in and blessing them so that we can have conversations with them and Say, really, we want to tell you about the greatest blessing, which is found in Jesus Christ. So, ask God, God, who should I deliver a box to? Now, we've already started the sign-up today out in the foyer, and you can sign up after service today. 90 spots, I imagine, will go quickly. So sign up quickly and do that, and we want to empower you to show that love of God to others. Okay, that's all I think I want to say about that. Now, today I want to talk about this message from the Word of God. I've entitled this, I Had No Idea. I had no idea. I started thinking about the grace of God, even in my own life, and I thought of this. I had no idea. When I was a little kid, and I went to church regularly, my dad was a pastor, I heard about Jesus, and I heard about how God was good, but... Even at a young age, I had no idea how much I needed the love of God, the grace of God. I started growing up and learning some things. And then I'd look back and say, as I look back now, I still had no idea in my 20s about the grace of God. I had no idea how much I needed this. And even now, this last week as I was writing this, I thought there will be a time in my life, certainly in glory, when I stand before the Lord. But I'm hoping as I grow, even over the next couple months, I'd look back and say, oh, I really had no idea of what I needed from God. I had no idea how good God was to me. And and this is just part of our growth, that as we grow, we'd look back and say, man, I had no idea. So I'd like you to think of other aspects in your life where you look back 5, 10, 30 years later and you go, I had no idea. It might be a good thing where you had no idea. It might be a bad thing like, oh, I had no idea. But, may, you know, for me it was like marriage. When I, when I started dating Angelo, you know, I was 18, 19, 20, whatever it was there. Hey, you know, uh, she doesn't like this. Don't look at her, all right? Don't look at her over there. She hates that one. But, but I had no idea. And she would testify the same thing. She had no idea what she was getting into. All right, good and bad. She was like, man, you know, it's just, oh, it's going to be so cute and have so fun and uh, uh, happily ever after. Ah." She had no idea. I had no idea. So then we thought, okay, you know, it's going to be have fun and, you know, we'll have some kids someday and kids are fun. And we had no idea. I meant we had no idea how wonderful they were. You were laughing because you were thinking the opposite. We had no idea how wonderful kids were. But yeah, as they'd grown up, it was like we had no idea how much heartache they would cause us, how much sleepless nights we would have. Don't look at my daughter over there either. She's going to get mad at me if you do that. But we, we had no idea. Ten years ago, the church asked me, would you consider being the pastor of our church? And I was like, man, they thought of me. How nice is that? I was thinking of doing something like that anyway. But I look back 10 years and go, I had no idea what this job involved. I had no idea the heartache. I had no idea how many times I would cry, how many times I would want to resign, how many times I would be fed up with this. But I've also looked back and said, I've had no idea how good and blessed I'd be to be able to be called your pastor and be able to preach the word of God and be able to serve you. And it's good and bad, but I had no idea. You know what I mean? All right. You're saying, yeah, we we had no idea how bad you'd be either, you know, (laughs) but... Anyway, thank you that you still love me regardless. I appreciate that. I would hope that you'd even think through that a little bit this next week. Look back in your life said I had no idea. I thought I had it figured out. I had no idea. I had no idea that God was working through that terrible situation. And he was actually working it for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God was working. I had no idea. I thought that was terrible. We have plenty of stories to tell. Share some of those stories this week where you'd look back and say, I had no idea. And let people speak into you and say, there will be a time in your life where you will be able to look back and say, I had no idea that God was good, that he held me in that difficult situation, that he was growing me. I had no idea. Well, anyway, when it comes to the grace of God, I'm confident that we really can can say the rest of our life, I had no idea. I had no idea the depth of my sin. As we mature, we will say, I had no idea of that. I had no idea how deep my sin was ingrained in me. As you mature, it's like, I had no idea. It was really in there deeply. I had no idea how much I needed a Savior. I had no idea how much I need a Savior. I I had no idea. We could go on and on. But here's the idea, that if we would humbly acknowledge that we had no idea about the goodness of God, if we would humbly acknowledge and say, even at this point in my life, I still have no idea the depth of the love of God. And this, is, this will bring about growth. If we would humbly say, I have not arrived. Sometimes we sit there and do this in life. I kind of got this figured out. I've got... If you would humbly say, I, I have really, I, I've had no idea about how good God is. Then he will grow you. He will grow you. We're going to see this today. And for this season, I want to focus on one verse. It's on this red piece of paper that you're not looking at, but it's also on your white notes that you can look at with me. And it's here on the screen. It's found in John chapter 1. John's writing a story about the life of Jesus. And early on, he says this, that the word, he's speaking of Jesus, the expression of God, speaking of Jesus, he said, he became flesh, God, spirit, eternal, became flesh like one of us. He became flesh, and he lived among us, and we'll celebrate this over Christmas, and we have seen his glory. John says, there were some of us who actually were eyewitnesses. We saw this with our eyes. We've seen his glory, Glory glorious of the only Son from the Father, and he was full of grace. He was full of truth. John's writing this years later, Like, I had no idea when I first encountered Jesus. I had no idea. But now looking back, I've spent time in this relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know something. He was full of grace and truth. And for our season of grace, I want us to understand this. I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to meditate on this verse. I want it to be ingrained in you. Some say that this may be the greatest verse in the whole Bible, that it explains that God the Father sends his Son, and he became like one of us. And he was full of grace and full of truth. My prayer has been this, that God would open your eyes. You're not here by accident today. I was praying for you. If you've been a part of our church for any length of time, your name's on a piece of paper. And I was praying for you, and I said, God, open the eyes of these people. Because I could talk about this all day, and it would not open their eyes. So, God, you open their eyes. Help them to see that they have not seen it all with you. Help them to see that they need the grace of God. Help them to say, I had no idea what I needed from God. I had no idea the goodness of God. I've been praying that he would open your eyes and that you would see the amazing grace of Jesus. And even over the next two months, I'd hope that two months from now you'd look back and say, you know, when I came on November 4th, looking back, I really had no idea. I know much more about the amazing grace of God. So, let's start this two-month season by considering a question, and it's this one. What is grace What is grace? Now, the difficult part is the Bible doesn't give us a real simple answer. I would love it that we turned a certain page and it says grace is this, but it doesn't. The Bible doesn't give us a nice tidy definition of this. Some of you have heard an acronym. You can write it down if you like. It's a good acronym, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That would be a good definition, if you want a nice, tidy one, but I think it's grace is so beautiful you you can't even sum it up in a sentence. Grace is often used to define Jesus, but he really i, I he didn't use that word. There may be one place there that he does use that word, but it wasn't something necessarily he said but John says he was full of grace, and so it exuded from him. It was just, I'm filled up with this, and I'm just going to show you by my life. If you've got your notes, look at the back real quickly, if you would. At the very bottom, it says what I'd like you to read this next week from the Gospel of Luke. And these are pictures of Jesus showing grace, the one who was full of grace it won't give you a nice, tidy definition, but it will start showing pictures of what grace is. But let me tell you a few things about it. The word grace comes from the Greek word charis. Charis. Sometimes we have named our kids something like that. But the idea is that grace is that one would stoop down, one would bend down, and one would show favor and charity. Charity get where that word comes from. The idea of one bending down, stooping down and saying, let me help you because you cannot help yourself. It's a word that implies that there's relationship going on. It's not that God says, hey, you need something? I'll just kick some crumbs to you. Hope you enjoy them. It's that God would bend down. He would stoop down. The word became flesh and he lived among us. And it was personal. There was a relationship involved. The word implies that one who had much and had everything would give to one who had nothing. This is what the word implies. So if love directed upward is worship, you can write this down. We've talked about this being one of our God-given purposes to worship. That is just love directed upward. Then love directed downward is grace. That when God showed love downward to sinful humanity like us, that was grace. And so the idea is that grace is undeserved, it could never be earned, it could never be attained by ourselves. Grace is seen then as, as an act of pure love on God's part. Unlimited kindness, if you want to write down a little phrase. Unlimited kindness toward our helpless poverty. God's saying, I'm going to over and over and over stoop down and bend down to show you unlimited kindness in your helpless poverty. Because you can't attain a righteous life on your own. You cannot climb your way to God. You cannot attend church enough to make your way to God. You just can't. You can't be good enough to get to God. God had to stoop down and show us grace. Unlimited kindness over and over toward our helpless poverty. So let's look on your notes again at this verse. The word, Jesus. He became flesh He made his dwelling among us. He stooped down. And John says, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of this grace. Full of this bending down, stooping down. Now what I want us to also see is that grace is who God is. It's just who he is. This is part of the definition of God. He is grace. And so when John says Jesus is full of grace, it's because God is gracious. Verse 16, you don't see this a couple verses later, but John says, out of Jesus' fullness, he gave us grace upon grace it just he couldn't stop it just kept coming out and it keeps coming out when it when you need more he's it's just grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace we could do this all day upon grace say it with me grace upon grace upon grace come on let me hear you grace upon grace upon grace and John says this is Jesus it's who God is Write this passage down in Exodus chapter 22. God's saying this. He's given the law to Israel. He tells Moses to tell the Israelites, If you ever take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. And it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? God says, I understand the situation. And if he cries out to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Some of your Bibles would say compassionate, but God says, I see, I see the hurt, and I feel your hurt, and I'm actually going to do something about the hurt. This is who God is. He's compassionate. He is gracious. And then one of the great passages in Exodus chapter 34, put this one on my tombstone. I just love it. The Lord descended, there's that word again, he descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, catch this, this he's saying, Moses, this is who I am, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and, there's that word, gracious. He says, Moses, I want you to know something about me. I'm a God who will descend and stoop and, and bend down because this is who I am. Slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He says, this is going to be my name. It's interesting that a lot of the prophets and in the Psalms, this phrase is used over and over. This is our God. This is our God. He's merciful and gracious. It's who God is. It's who God is. Now, I told you we'd get to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. You're like, man, I was wondering if we're ever getting there. We're getting there right now. Written by the Apostle Paul, written to Christians in a city of Ephesus. And I want to show you a few places in chapter 1 where this word grace is. So follow along as I read the first couple of verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints, the holy ones, the ones who have been set apart in Christ, who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus, circle this word here in verse 2, grace. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you from God. This wasn't just something he was like, well, I'm not sure how else to start a letter off. This was very important to the Apostle Paul. This was very meaningful, these words, grace to you from God. Now, Paul was a man who understood God. He was very moral. His church attendance was better than anybody in this room. He he lived a good life, and he said, I love God. And if anyone should be lovable to God, it is me. I've done everything. I'm smart. I've memorized so much of this law. I mean, I got it all going on. And though he was moral, and though he... Had a love for God. Though he had a lot of this, he had a very proud heart. He's like, I I think God should be pretty impressed with me. He he was an arrogant man. Until one day he's walking down the road and he is blinded. And Jesus meets him and he has an encounter with Jesus to the fact that he's blown away. And he's like, I just, I can't even see. And Jesus meets him and says, Paul, why have you been persecuting me? Because there are Jesus followers that you're trying to throw in jail. And he said, I can't even see. And the Lord humbled him that day. And said, um, you need grace. You, you, you can't earn this. Your church attendance isn't going to earn it. You're, you, you know, you you're trying to put on a good face isn't going to earn it. What you need is a change of heart. You need grace. You need God to radically change your heart. And Paul, in humility, is like, that's what I've been missing. That's what I've been missing. And he spends the rest of his life, and he sins at times, but the rest of his life he says, I just got to tell you, I got to tell everybody. He goes all over on mission trips, I have got to tell you the grace of Jesus. I got to ha- tell you how God stooped down into my life. He changed my heart. And because of that, when I even when I write letters, I want you to know I, I, you need to have grace to you from God. If you try anything else, you're missing the mark. You need to experience grace. You need to experience grace from God. The favor of God, it can't be earned. If it could have been earned, I think I could have earned it, but it can't be earned. It's as if Paul's looking back on his life and he said, I had no idea how to get right with God. I tried so hard, but I was not right with God. I had no idea. I had no idea how arrogant I was. I had no idea how hard my heart was. I needed Jesus, the grace of Jesus. And Paul becomes a very humble man, becomes a very grateful man. And he grows in his understanding of grace. And so he ends up writing all these letters to churches. And every time he starts with this phrase, grace and peace to you. From God our Father. I want you, I, you need grace upon you. You need this. I'm going to tell you a bunch of things in this letter, but this is what you need. You need the unlimited kindness of God on you over and over and over. Grace upon grace. You need this. And then he writes his letters and tell you, he says, Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about all this. And so Paul writes some of the kindness of God, and I want you to see this. Go to verse 3, if you would. He says, Christians, Christ followers, he says, blessed or praised be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us. This was grace. This was gifted to us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us, he chose us. This was Grace. In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. It's not that we just should be this. He goes, he actually made us right in the eyes of God. Every single person who trusts in Jesus, he made completely right in the eyes of God. He did this. That's grace. He bent down. He stooped down. Unlimited kindness in his life. Verse 5, in love he predestined us for adoption. His plan was, I'm going to adopt you. This is grace. This is unlimited kindness. I'm going to pour this out. I'm including you into my family. To himself, his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, Paul says, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Glorious grace. Look at that word again in verse 6, those two words. Glorious grace. grace. He says, if you claim Jesus as your Savior, I I want you to know it it is a glorious grace. He has made you holy. He has set you apart. He's made you blameless. He's made you spotless. You're saying, me? I'm not spotless. You, You haven't seen my resume. You haven't seen my rap sheet. Paul says, no, in the eyes of God, you are spotless because of what Jesus has done for you. Grace, he has poured out into your heart. The idea is that we would look at this and say, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea what he did for me. I mean, I I knew I got a ticket to heaven and, you know, I had no idea. This is what he was doing for me. You see, as a sinner, each of us deserved vengeance from God. Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of our sin is death, separation. God should have said, whoom, and and just smote us right there. None of us deserve to be alive. That would have been vengeance, and God had the right to do that. He's like, no, no, no. I'm a God merciful and gracious. As a sinner, each of us should be a." afraid of the justice of God each of it oh man one day I'm gonna meet him and in one sense you should be afraid of the justice of God but but as a sinner our only hope for survival is the grace of God that God would choose to bend down stoop down unlimited kindness and say let me show you my goodness let me rescue you let me bring you into my family And Paul says, oh, this is good. And he's saying, I had no idea. And as I've grown, I'm starting to get an idea. And he says, I want you to know, you had no idea what God had been doing for you. Imagine if you would, you had a six-year-old son, little guy running around. Let's say he's your only son. I remember my son when he was six, just cute little guy. Imagine One son, your only son, six years old. And you get the news that he's been tragically, brutally murdered. You're angry, broken. But then you get the news a little later that the one who brutally murdered your son, they caught him. They caught him. And you have the opportunity to meet up with him and kill him with your bare hands. That would be vengeance. And that's not ours. That's God's. So you say, you know what? I'll I'll allow the justice system to work. Send that guy to jail. Let him stand before the judge jury of his peers, let him have the whole court case because I know he's guilty, let him get condemned, send him to life in prison, maybe even death. And if you allowed that, that would be justice. Justice was served. His life for my son's. But if, at the court hearing, you went before the judge and said, I would like to testify for this guy. And I'd like him to be pardoned. And I'd forgive him. He doesn't deserve punishment. I'm letting this go. I'm not holding it against him. In fact, honorable judge, if it's okay with you, I'd like to include him into my house because there's something so messed up in this guy that I'd liked my heart goes out for him. I, I want to include him into my home. I'd like him to have my son's room. Is it possible I could adopt him into my family? You're thinking no way. That's stupid. That's grace. That's grace. And as crazy as that seems, that's grace. This is what God did. He said, I had one son. And I should act in vengeance toward all of you who have sinned against me, but I'm not. And I could act in justice and just say, all of you pay for your own sins on your own. But God says, no, I'm not doing that either. In fact, I'm going to stand in your defense And I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to include you into my household to be adopted as my sons, as my daughters, to move in with me. It's grace. It's stupid, crazy, amazing. Amen? You look back on that and say, oh, I guess I had no idea what God had done for me maybe we've thought through that but his grace Paul says is glorious amen glorious to the praise of his glorious grace that he would do that show that to me and even though I still sin periodically and we can all say that and say oh but i don't attend church very well and i didn't read my bible this last week and i didn't pray in the week of prayer and even though we sin periodically and we find ourselves completely we cannot completely eradicate sin in our lives god in his grace has declared you righteous it says sins forgiven you're my son You're my daughter. You're beloved. I love you. I don't look at your sin. I look at the sinlessness of my son. I love you. Glorious grace. And here's the reality. You and I still will continue to sin at times. We will. But we've been made holy and righteous. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. Oh, yeah. Paul. I get this. It's glorious grace to the praise of His glorious grace. Amen? Amen. I had no idea. Verse seven He says, In Him, then, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, all of them, according to the riches of His grace. It's an abundant grace. It's a grace that doesn't run out of riches. It's, it's a grace that it doesn't, well, I'm, I'm empty now. No, it's abundant. It's abundant, the riches of his grace. I'm hoping that you're starting to get a glimpse of what God has done to this unlimited kindness. I know you sinned again. I'm going to clean you. I'm going to again bring you to myself. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter because you've trusted in Jesus. This grace, it's greater than your sin problem. You go, oh, my sin problem's huge. The grace of God is greater than your sin problem. Some of you say, I have dug a massive hole for my life. I cannot get out. And you are so right to say that. You can't. (laughs) But this grace, this grace is deeper than the hole you've dug for yourself. Where sin was massive and where sin is massive for you, his grace is bigger. I want to give you a couple words. The first one is receive then. How do I respond to this? I receive. I receive. When God stoops down to show me the unlimited kindness, I have to receive this over and over again. Now, some of you say, I have received Jesus. And I say, praise the Lord, but continue to receive his grace. Some of you in this room have not received this. You're like the Apostle Paul before he was changed by Jesus and you're trying to do this on your own. You have to receive this gift. As I was taking communion first service and I was eating the bread and drinking the juice, I felt like the Lord just said to me this phrase that I had to say, I needed His grace. I needed His grace. I was like... I had no idea again. I needed His grace. In fact, repeat this after me. I needed his grace. I need his grace. This is what He's going to teach you the rest of your life, and you are to receive it. In fact, it's not just that I needed His grace. I felt the Lord saying this, I need His grace. Let me hear you say that. I need his grace. We're people who needed it, certainly, but we still need His grace. Where you failed, God was victorious. Where you deserve punishment, God poured out blessing. Receive. Receive. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's this posture of, "I I need to keep receiving, Lord. I need to receive from you. I have not arrived. I need to keep receiving. I was reminded of a passage in Psalm 67. Just write this down. Psalm 67. The psalmist says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. The psalmist was saying, God, continue to be gracious to us and bless us. In other words, I will receive all the grace that you give to me. Continue to pour this out. And it wasn't just so that I would have an easy week. It wasn't just so I'd feel better. It goes on to say, may God be gracious to us and bless us that his ways may be known on earth, that his salvation may be known to the ends of the earth. The idea is not only that we would receive this, write this word down, that we would accept Extend this grace. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Receive that your ways may be known in the valley, in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my home. You see. We are to receive grace and then extend it. Out of fullness, we can extend this. To receive love and then extend love. To receive forgiveness and then, oh yeah, I'm going there. To extend forgiveness. The problem is, we don't receive necessarily like we should. This season, there's going to be a lot of good things to do, even on that red piece of paper. Oh, I can bring in cookies, and I can bring in food, and I can bring in blankets, and I can deliver boxes, and I can do all of these extensions, but it starts with this, receive. Receive the abundant grace of God. It's too difficult. It's impossible to truly extend the grace of God when you are empty of the grace of God. It's abundant. So receive it that you may extend it. Again, this week, read from the Gospel of Luke and see this Jesus who was full of grace and truth and how he poured out grace upon grace upon grace. My prayer is this. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we would see your glorious and abundant grace. I thought, well, I could just sit up here for six hours and just hammer this in until they get it. But I don't think you'd get it until God opens your eyes. And so I'm praying that he opens your eyes, that you would see his glorious and abundant grace. That you would look at Jesus and you would see his glorious and abundant grace. That you'd spend time with him and you would see his glorious and abundant grace. And then let us respond appropriately out of that. That we would extend Extend that grace to those that God has providentially placed in your life. He's placed people in your life. He says, so receive my grace so that you could extend it. I'm going to ask that you pray with me before we take communion together and just process this for a bit. God, I I know I look back in my life and I can say I had no idea. I had enough faith to believe when I was a kid, but I, I really had no idea how good you were to me. And I was growing in my faith in my 20s, but I had no idea how good you were to me. And even a year ago, God, you I was growing and maturing, but I can look back and say, I had no idea the grace that you've been pouring out into my life. And I apologize, I confess, I have not been grateful. And I have not received like I should. And thus I I couldn't extend like I should. And I pray that you help me and my brothers and sisters to receive what you have given to us. May God be gracious to us and bless us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. And so, God, as we take a few moments to take communion together today, continue to open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to see your glorious and abundant grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Just a minute. As we take communion, we will do this. We will eat a piece of bread. It's a symbol of his body broken for us. We'll drink a cup of juice. is a symbol of his blood shed for us. But as I, I was thinking about this, God is gracious. He, he stooped down. He sent his only son to pay for us. But it wasn't that God was just gracious. He was just. Somebody had to pay for your sins. Somebody had to pay for my sins. And it was Jesus. Don't, don't try to pay on your own. Don't reject Jesus. Don't do this. Humble yourself today. And say, oh, this is what I needed. Don't try to earn God's favor. You can't. Just simply receive. I want to give you that word again. Receive. As you come up today receive. When Jesus was talking with his disciples and he's about to be crucified, he says, take this bread and eat it and take this cup and drink it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And this week I was thinking, Jesus, there is a bunch of things you could have said to do this in remembrance of you. You could have said, get a tattoo and we would remember you. Get a necklace and put it around your neck and and remember me. Get Get a bracelet on your arm and remember me. But he said, no, I want you to simply eat And drink. And I thought there's something about eating and drinking that's even different than a tattoo or a necklace or a bracelet because when we eat and drink, we have to receive it. It goes in. It's like, I need this inside of me. And so today, you can go to one of these four stations if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and take this and go back to your seat. And when you're ready, eat. And receive. And drink and receive. And and my prayer for you is that you would just simply say, Jesus, I need your grace. And I receive your grace. I can't do it on my own. Wasn't meant to do it on my own. You did it for me. Just simply receive. And if you'd like someone to come, somebody to pray with you, there will be people at each station to pray for you. But I've also asked them that when you come by, and it's nice that you have name tags on, there, they're going to pray for you by name and just say, God, help them to receive today your grace. Because we are all in need of this. We're all in need of his grace. So pray with me one more time, and then I invite you to come up here and eat and drink in remembrance. Heavenly Father, Again, I thank you for grace. I thank you for your sacrifice of your son on our behalf. That is glorious and abundant grace. Help us to receive not just a piece of bread and a cup of juice into our bodies, but to receive again your grace. To, in humility, say, I need you again today, Jesus. Maybe today, even for the first time, someone say, I need you in my life, Jesus, for the very first time. And you are a God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And you say, I will pour out my grace to you. So God, we thank you for your amazing grace in our life. Hear our prayers, hear our worship as we eat and drink in remembrance of you. And in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking some time today to look into God's word with us. Join us again next week as we continue to consider the glorious grace in which God has bestowed upon us.